0: Jack Van Impe died last month. I don't see much recognition. That's okay. Jack Van Impe was an American preacher who got his start as the walking Bible. He had committed to memory the entire text of the King James Version. He could respond to any question, any point in an argument, although I don't think he ever really argued, He could respond to any request for advice with chapter and verse. And when he moved on to television, Jack preached about the end times. He said the future was all laid out in fine detail. He always offered a string of verses and phrases as proof. He could offer an explanation for any event that might trouble one of his faithful viewers with chapter and verse. You can't argue with someone who knows his source as well as Jack Van Impey did. But will his Bible-based predictions come true? We'll have to wait and see. But Jack had a gift. He could predict some really scary things with joy on his face, hope in his eyes, and always with concern for his viewers. So I guess I have a bit of a soft spot for the, the walking Bible. Even if I can't forget that along the way, he did make a lot of money from his shows live and on TV. But when I think of somebody like Jack, I can't help thinking of two quotes from one of my favorite authors, Harper Lee. To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite books, and it's one of those movies I will watch anytime it turns up on television. But one of the best-loved characters in that story is Miss Maudie. And some of her best-known words are, Sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. And she has more to say. She's talking about her neighbor, Mr. Radley. There are just some kind of men who are so busy worrying about the next world, they've never learned to live in this one. But Harper Lee also had words of her own about the Bible. They're not as well-known as Miss Maudie's, but she once said, the book to read is not the one which thinks for you, but the one which makes you think. No book in the world equals the Bible for that. The book to read is the one which makes you think, No book in the world equals the Bible for that. Trouble is, it is far too easy to try and and even succeed in reading the Bible or the sacred books of any tradition, to read it hoping that it will think for us, and even to imagine that it does, so we don't have to think for ourselves. A lot of Christians try to read the Bible in the same way our Muslim neighbors read and hear the Quran. Now, our Muslim neighbors believe the words of Quran are the words of Allah, preserved and left in the original language as the prophet, peace be upon him, heard them. In the Quran, Allah's words reveal Allah's will. So translation is forbidden for anything but study. And interpretation by preachers and teachers is supposed to be kept to a minimum. And when it's not, as our Muslim neighbors would agree with us, you get ISIS and Al-Qaeda. So there is a problem with reading sacred texts that way, potentially a problem. The Bible is different. There's just one claim within it that Christian Scripture is inspired, but we're we're not sure what those Scriptures were in the time those words were written. But there's a big difference between inspiration and dictation. And the goal of every generation of Christians has been to provide the Bible to all people, to give it to people because it belongs to them in their own languages and idioms. The Bible is a library of books by many authors or groups of storytellers and writers, first heard in human voice, passed down by human hands. And that's one reason it's sacred to us. But that makes the Bible much more than a book of rules and laws, instructions to be followed without question or thought. You know, most of us don't really like detailed sets of instructions. What do we do when we buy a a gas barbecue or a piece of furniture from Ikea? We open the box, pour all the pieces out onto the floor, find the instructions, scan them once, and toss them aside. We don't go looking for the instructions until we realize where we've gone wrong. Then we pick them up, When we realize why we need them. The Bible is a gift to us from past generations of faithful people. It comes from their experience of discovering what God revealed to them, and where and how they found God, and why and how they lived responding to that discovery. So the Bible speaks to us today not to give us simple answers to all of life's questions but to point us in a direction toward God, where we might not find the answers, but we can find grace, mercy, and peace. So we're a long way from the way Jack Van Impey and many, many other Christians read the Bible. But a book that is full of clear proof texts and simple straight line prophecies and easy rules to follow in any situation isn't the Bible, and it certainly isn't the Word of God. Think about it. Can ink stains on a page be the words of the living God? In our Presbyterian tradition, we believe the Bible can become the written Word of God when we read it in faith, with the help of the Holy Spirit, and in the light of the words and works and ways of Jesus. The Bible itself tells us right there in the beginning of the Gospel of John that Jesus is the Word of God, the living Word. And as Christians, we read the Bible, every part of it, with Jesus, the living Word, in mind. He is the lens we read through. So what do we do when the Bible tells us that Jesus says some things that are tough to reconcile with his message and example? things that seem to contradict his command to love one another as he loves us. If you lose it with a fellow church member, you're as good as guilty as murder. Don't bother coming to church on Sunday if you're at odds with a fellow church member. Fix it. If you don't and the elders find out, you could end up in jail. And don't even look adulterer. Cut your hand off if you just can't help yourself sticking it into places where it doesn't belong. Don't even think about divorce unless the wife breaks her vow. And there's no remarriage allowed either. At least for women. I think I better turn this one off. With this, this wireless before. Yeah. Let's try that. <laughs> Just about every church I've been at, there's been some control that has been left for the minister and only the minister <laughs> to look after. <laughs> one church, it was a computerized thermostat. And the only other person who knew how to operate it went south for the whole winter. (laughs) So I've got a little control over my head when I'm sitting over there. So we can easily get that Jesus, as Matthew portrays him, is exaggerating for effect. He's challenging his disciples and the people listening in around him, behind him. He's challenging us, too, to get past any sense that just doing the minimum is enough to follow the rules, to obey God's law. And in the gospel, we hear Jesus use hyperbole, sometimes to bait people he disagrees with. So we can put the first four in the right frame. We can understand that Jesus values relationships and demands reconciliation where, whenever it's in our power. And Jesus insists people, especially women, must not be reduced to objects, objects of lust or any other desire. But what about those words about divorce, which are obviously not exaggerated for effect? And we know that today there are some communities of Christians that take these words literally. But Jesus' words have been taken from their context, both in the Sermon on the Mount and in Jesus' time. And consider the words themselves. If a man divorces his wife, that's the way it was in those times. It was never the other way around. And in those times, divorce was very common. One popular rabbi said, and you can guess why he was popular, that a man could send his wife away for displeasing him in any way. So one day the rabbi was asked if that included burning his dinner. The rabbi said yes. So Jesus' concern here was for women who had no status on their own, And were open to condemnation if they remarried now in the 60s when the law of canada was still essentially in harmony with this statement of jesus in the sermon on the mount our presbyterian church in canada was one of the first voices to call on the canadian government to liberalize divorce law to allow more legal grounds for divorce than what Jesus called unchastity. And then the next step was easy, to recognize what was already happening, church weddings for fully legally divorced persons. Why? Because experience, experience showed that admitting that no marriage is perfect, and no two human beings together can ever fulfill 100% this high ideal of marriage, first of all, takes nothing away from that ideal, but second of all, recognizes that we do our best. And sometimes it doesn't work out. But God still loves us. And so it has happened many, many times throughout the history of the church that the church has been led by the compassion of Jesus Christ, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit through experience, to go beyond even Jesus' recorded words, and to act in love above all else or as our reading from Deuteronomy says, to choose life over death, to affirm what gives life and oppose anything that deals death, including religion, including the ways the laws of God and Moses can be interpreted, and including the ways the words of Jesus and the apostles can be twisted. A reading from Psalm 119 assures us. We don't have to become walking Bibles to know and apply the words. The psalm says it's about walking through life with God's word, carrying, carrying the Bible along with us as we go in the light of the words and works and ways, the example and love of Jesus. That's how we deal with these troubling texts. So you, you don't know it, but you've just completed a lesson and exercise in Reformed hermeneutics. There's your word for the day. Hermeneutics. Try to work it into a sentence uh, during the day. It's the theory and practice of interpreting texts. We all interpret as we read. It's the only way to read anything. To read is to interpret. So we're all good at hermeneutical process. And we'll all have more fun with hermeneutics when our Lenten Bible study study begins in a couple of weeks. So come on on along. Amen.